Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado, Colorado's premier outdoor radio show heard every Saturday afternoon on KLZ 560 with insights on hunting, fishing, archery, guns, and ammo from Colorado's top outfitters featuring the industry's leading experts on how to enhance your experience in the great outdoors. Now, here's your host, Scott Watley. Welcome to Sportsman of Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley, and we appreciate you being with us. Don't forget now, if you miss us on Saturdays from 1 to 2, you can catch us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and also at 4 p.m. And uh, we have an outstanding show for you today. So this is really a very special edition of Sportsman of Colorado. In studio, the man, Mr. Wayne Carlton. Hmm. Mr. Carlton, how are you, sir? It is my pleasure. It is great to see you. I'll shake your hand. All right. Because, uh, man, what a legend. And also, our friends, uh, which made kind of give me the introduction last year at the International Sportsman's Expo, Donnell Johnson and Lisa Thompson. And uh, Donnell's running our Facebook Live here. So, um, Mr. Carlton, I hear the words whenever we post that we're going to have you on or just watching uh, on social media. Um, idol. <laughs> Mentor, uh, I can handle the mentor. Famer, all of yeah. I mean, Famer, he's famous. Yeah. Hall, hall of Fame. If there was, you know, the NFL just had their Hall of Fame. If he there was the a Arch Hall of Fame, he, he is in the Archer yeah. Hall of Fame. I mean, of just people that have contributed to the outdoor industry and elk hunting and really all kinds of hunting, it would be you. So we appreciate you and thank you for what you've done for us. I've probably had more fun than the rest, but it's been. Uh, I, I think I came to a conclusion because I was asking myself. Where's this legend stuff come from and uh, icon and that sort of thing? I think you're that if you outlive your competition. <laughs> they, well, all, you're on your way. They're all dead and gone, and we're I still just have sitting. I to live here. longer than Lisa. Yes. Well, absolutely. if you ask me, I don't think you have that much competition out there, Wayne. Uh, so when you have the best, I don't think there's that much. Well, I was fortunate. Um, I grew up in Florida, down in the swamps, and. We learned how to call alligators and crows and turkeys and whatever. Uh, so I had an uncle that was just fortunate that he would take me under his wing, so to speak, and uh, we'd go swamp wading every weekend. That's what we did. Wow. And so you learn how to communicate with wildlife. You learn how to walk without scaring things. You learn how to fit into the environment. And that all started with me at a very early age, and I'll kind of compare that to a a young person that can play a guitar like nuts. And I asked the kid, I said, so when did, when did you f feel it that you had it, that you could talk through your guitar in the fourth grade? Yeah, <laughs> and so here I am, 75, wishing I could play a guitar. And you just, <laughs> just got to put it in perspective, in the fourth grade. Yes, sir, yeah. absolutely. So what was the first animal sound that was a made you want to get into this that you felt like hey this was my first animal sound that came out of my mouth i think uh, it was uh, a coon fight okay and we're out in the woods in the middle of the night at uncle john's cornfield and the dogs are treeing you know first of all they they chase the coons the coon goes up in a tree and the object is uh, when you get there you shine their lights with a headlamp and when they look at you, you shoot them. Yep, sir. I've done that. <laughs> well, sometimes they don't want to look at you. So Uncle Harvey, he says, I'll make them look. You get ready to shoot. So he goes. <laughs> and everybody in that tree wanted to see what was going on on the ground. Sure. And every time they took a peek, I'd shoot. 
<laughs> and we killed 12 coons that night from one tree, which is like crazy good. Wow. And we used to get a 25 cent a piece for them coons that the, the dogs had chewed up and I had shot with the 22. Wow. But that's uh, awesome. what impressed me so much is as time went on, Uncle Harvey, drinking moonshine to keep the mosquito bites down to a minimum, knew what to say at the right time to make wildlife do something they did not plan on doing that night. So I, I have that same outlook when I hunt turkeys or elk. And they probably, you know, unless they're coming to a water tank or something like that, sure. uh, they probably maybe just didn't plan on going to your spot. So if you can, through calling, create enough excitement and havoc. Uh, and when I say havoc, it's like calling a bear or whatever. Uh, when, when you can create enough excitement to make that animal come to your position, you just won. So that was the first one. Wow. Wayne Carlton is with us. Um, I tell you what, we're going to open up our phone lines. We are doing some pre-taping here, actually, for our, our show tomorrow uh, because uh, we're going to be talking about a, a great event coming up, the Fall Hunting Classic at uh, Bass Pro and Cabela's uh, over the weekend, and we'll give you more details on that. But 303-477-5600, uh, if you've got a, a question or comment, and uh, we've got a lot of material to go over here, but we'll try to sneak in a couple of calls. Now, you really didn't start out with the whole elk calling thing. So no. let's go back to the beginning just a minute about calling. When I first started hunting wild turkeys, there were no mouth calls whatsoever. We had a wing bone that you could suck back in on to get that turkey sound. But uh, you had to use your hands using a box call or a slate. And sometimes that slate would be mounted in a, in a turtle that had died. So it would have the frame. So that was our turkey call. Uh, so I was fortunate that I got to see diaphragm calls grow from nothing to what it is today. And I, I learned how to call uh, turkeys with it. It took me three months to utter the first sound, period. Could not do it. Nobody knew how to teach you. And the frames were made out of lead. <laughs> so here we are chewing on lead for months at a time. I feel a lot better now that it's gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, at, at any rate, uh, I, I got to witness and, and feel all the, from Zippo, no diaphragms at all, to where we are today. And uh, I learned a lot from the wild turkey, learning how to call them. They see ten times better than we do. Mm -hmm. They can fly faster than we can run. Uh, they hear exceptionally well. And so, I, I think, if anybody's listening out there, if you can become a good turkey hunter, be successful hunting turkeys on a time, time and again basis. You can hunt whatever else you want to hunt and be successful. Right. Especially elk. The elk's got one more thing. They can smell you. Supposedly a turkey <laughs> so can't, but I kind of wonder about that. <laughs> yes, sir. So Donnell and Lisa, and again, Donnell's kind of run our camera here, uh, but um, boy, the last few years have been very special for y'all. Very. Just We've had the pleasure to getting um, to hunt with him and be with him and learn from him. We feel like we're cheating when we have Wayne in the forest. I feel like you're cheating. I, I, <laughs> just not I'm really. Like I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely feels like you're cheating when you have him turkey calling or elk calling. I mean, I think Donnell and I are pretty decent callers, but when you have Wayne in the house, it's just it's kind of not a fair fight. Right. Sure. He definitely has upped our game. I consider it a card game when you're trying to call something in. Always let the elk 
make the mistake first. Mm. And here's a great example. We're hunting at uh, 12,000 feet up in uh, West Elk Wilderness. And uh, I knew the elk was there because I'd scouted. But we got six inches of snow that night. I hadn't planned on that. So uh, we went out. Things finally started melting. And I had uh, three guys with me. And I just knew the elk was there. I just, I just, there was no reason for him to leave. So I'm calling and calling, and nothing happens. So finally I said, okay, one more time. And I go through it, and I put more emphasis, more edge on the call, real high pitch. It hurts your ear. It just rings. And I'm just getting ready to put my hand on the ground and just push myself up. And this is what I hear. <laughs> and it just rattled through that canyon. I mean, it was amazing. Wow. So it just that popping. And uh, long story short, uh, called him in within 17 yards. The guy shot him, made a great shot. And he scored 328, and he had half a spruce tree in his rack. <laughs> you disturbed that him cool? that morning when he was raking the tree, and he decided to quit raking and come over to you. Seven, yeah, 17 yards away. So uh, patience is what kills things. I killed a big uh, right at 400-point bull in New Mexico on the last day of the hunt 10 years ago. And the only reason we did that and were successful is because I had a knee that I had to have replaced. And uh, so I couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. So let's just get up in that tree stand and stay there. And sure enough, here it comes. Roar, Godzilla, Gonzo. <laughs> I said, I just want to see that guy. I mean, it sounds so bad. He's got to be a big whip butt. So. <laughs> Wayne has that bull hanging in his house. Oh, it's beautiful. Really? 398. Wow. You can actually go on YouTube and yeah. the whole thing's out there. John uh, videoed that for you. Wow, that's awesome. I tell you what, we're, we're going to take a break here, a couple minutes or when we come back, we're going to talk about strategies, okay? Strategies in calling, um, whether it be morning or evening or that midday time when a lot of people go in. And I want to talk about that, too, because I think a lot of hunters make mistakes going in at 10 o'clock and coming back at 3 Or when or it snows six inches. Or, we, I mean, we exactly. see people that the least little bit of change of weather and they give up. And that's, that's when I feel like we have an advantage with our scent and all of that. Well, when... Uh, People are going in, the elk are trying to, they're going to bed up, so there's less pressure in the woods, and you get a lot more done. And if the, the animals usually that you're calling to have settled down from early in the morning to late afternoon. They just want to kick back. Right. You're listening to Sportsman of Colorado, special edition. Mr. Wayne Carlton is in the studio along with Donnell Johnson and Lisa Thompson from Hunt Data. We've got to take a short break, and we'll be back with more right after this. You were injured in an accident. You went to the doctor and you thought your insurance would cover it, but that was before you realized how the insurance company actually works and before you knew how long your pain would really last. So now you're stuck with a bunch of bills that you can't afford and the nagging pain has been keeping you up all night, making you feel like you're gonna lose your mind every day. You are not alone. There is an answer. Call Flesh and Beck Injury Attorneys. Flesh and Beck have the experience and the knowledge to navigate the complicated maze created by the insurance companies designed to minimize your claim. They will answer all of your questions and help you to determine if you are entitled to compensation for your pain and suffering. If you've been injured in an accident, call Flesh and Beck Injury Law at 303-806-8886 for a free consultation to find out if Flesh and Beck can help you get the compensation that you deserve. Hi, this is Scott Watley. 
Now, many times you hear your radio host like me say something like, let me tell you about my friends at, then we'll talk about a sponsor that we truly believe in and endorse. Well, in this case, let me tell you about a company that really is part of my family, Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center. For over 13 years, we have trusted our furry family members to this wonderful staff. At Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, they believe that all pets deserve to have a good life. And their goal is to help you keep your pets happy and healthy throughout their life by providing complete pet care services every day, all at one location. We love the Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center boarding lodge, and your pet will too. Your pet will receive one-on-one -on -one care and attention throughout their stay. Open seven days a week for your convenience. Check them out. Lone Tree Veterinary Medical Center, located at 8681 Lincoln Avenue in Lone Tree. 303-708-8050. 303-708-8050. Or check them out online at LoneTreeVet.com. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado, a special edition. If you're just joining us, my name is Scott Watley. We are very privileged to have in studio Mr. Wayne Carlton is with us, uh, Lisa Thompson, Donnell Johnson from Hunt Data. And uh, there's going to be a, a, just a great weekend, really, the next couple of weekends. Some great things going on at Bass Pro and Cabela's, and we'll give you some details on that. But Mr. Carlton will be there uh, along with these ladies, and uh, we'll give you those details here in just a moment. So let's talk about strategies and calling, and I want you guys to – chime in on this and ask Wayne the questions you feel are pertinent as well but let's just talk about the whole concept of calling uh, Wayne uh, and um, you know strategies that you've learned over the years and I guess we'll start out when we first get out there in the mornings um, if you want to be successful calling elk or anything be where they want to be first okay. uh, or is there already maybe the bedding area that we're talking about it may be a wallow and uh, each one has its own story to tell, so we can go back and touch on that. But I, I just learned really, really young that if you want to call a lot of critters, be where they want to be anyway. And it takes very little to make. In other words, you're not having to do a 90-degree turn. Right. They, they just kind of generally go in that way. And uh, people, humans are things of habit. They, of course, the wildlife does too. But everybody's on a schedule. It's everybody, everybody's got a clock. Everybody's got something else to do. And when you go elk hunting, you just got to pull the plug and realize, old man told me, he said, if you want to stalk turkeys, you have to move slower than the turkey. So if, you're, if your gait is going, I mean, it's just simple stuff that you hit every day, but you never think of it. Sure. So you got the gait of a man, you're just walking. Well, the turkeys are feeding, they're scratching, they're pecking, they're, you know, doing their little deal, and uh, they're, not, they're not going anywhere. They're just kind of standing right there because they found something to feed on. Well, if you're an intruder or a predator coming, well, then if you're coming too fast, that's where all the vibe starts. So you just you have to realize, uh, uh, take, take it back a little bit and let things happen in a normal fashion. And have you ever... Have you ever been someplace that uh, it's so quiet, it's deafening? Yes, sir. Same thing with eyesight. You know, we don't think about that. You think about eyesight just glancing around. Well, you're looking at the back of that computer thing, and what can I see? I can see dust on that little ridge. 
I see the yellow light. Uh, I see some sort of a name on the bottom. You can barely make it out. So that's what I'm talking about, making your eyes adjust to the light, making them adjust to the, the speed of the movement. And it is amazing what unfolds in front of you. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's those little tips that I think a lot of the hunters, especially younger folks that uh, maybe they're wanting everything for a trophy, God, just think of the passion that you could build uh, within somebody or something when you put all those aspects. I step slower than the turkey. Mm-hmm. That kind of a deal. Right. I think one of the strategies um, I've used in the past is, um, of course, I get up early in the morning, and what's the old saying, early bird gets the worm. But um, Donnell and I were on a hunt uh, a few years ago. I had a buzzle-loading tag, and those early mornings catch up to me because just going hard all day and stuff. And I have personally shot probably more animals during the middle of the day than any time, mm -hmm. even at first light. And that sort of thing. So it was my third day in my hunt. I was wore out. And I just said, it's tomorrow or to, tomorrow we're going to sleep in. Sleeping in is 7. But we didn't get up on the mountain until about 1, one o'clock, Donnell and I. And um, we decided to throw out a call. Um, one of Wayne's calls. And I threw out a hyper-hot um, uh, cow call. And on top of that, Donnell bugled. And we were just checking it out. And instantaneous, one o'clock in the afternoon, we got three bugles back like that. Now, everybody else has went in, and we're, like, we're like game on. <laughs> now, we've had a good night's rest. We've had a good breakfast, and we're ready to go. So with the, we, stay, we um, thought that bulls would come to us. They did not. So we went, walked slower than them, but we crept, and we got, we're coming down. And before we knew it, we looked around in the forest, and we came in the herd. We, we, called, had, we called in four satellite bulls. We had elk all around us, and we had them on left, right, and front, and we had just crept in nice and slow because we were going to go after the bugle. And we called in all of the satellite bulls that we assumed were his satellite, and we never did see that big bull that was uh, bugling. Now, we're talking it's 1, 1.30 in the afternoon now. For two hours, we played cat and mouse with this bull. I had a muzzleloader, and Donnell finally held back about 80 yards. Yeah, I decided, because I was doing more of the calling because she was trying to focus on shooting, right. so I decided to hold back because it seemed like no matter how far we went, he went further. Like, we, like I said, we called in all of his satellites. Then we'd have to sit there and wait for them to not be scared and decide to leave us, and, and so I just started holding back and letting her... I get closer and closer to that, that herd bull, and pretty soon I hear the boom, and she shot him. And in those two hours, we never saw that bull. Right. And um, I, I knew the area. We were coming open, and I'm like, please do what your elk are supposed to do. And the cows were out in the middle of this small park, and all four satellite bulls were around it. And the big bull comes screaming out to get his cows to retrieve them. And I had a split second to decide what you know, could I get a shot or whatever? And I took the shot. It was about a 132. Yeah, 32 yard shot. It was a 320 bull, 3:30 in the afternoon. And and all four of those bulls, all the satellites were bugling and everything. And all of everyone else in our hunting camp was already back at camp when we left. I they had already it. done their morning camp hunt, and they were done hunting. So I, I actually got in a fight with another cow, which I didn't. I didn't know a lot about your fighting cow calls and all that back then but I was just doing uh -uh, and she's like uh -uh, and pretty soon she looks at me and like knock it off I'm like, <laughs> like well you like, stop they're it screwing around with the cow <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, so let's talk about that in a minute you, uh, uh, first of all when you go out in the mornings a lot of different um thought processes there you know leave it 
430, you know, be sitting where you're going to sit an hour and a half before the sun comes up, whatever. So before legal shooting light, let's say. Right. Are you usually in place where you're going to sit? I, uh, I try to be, yeah. Yeah. We try to be. I mean, I, things happen, but sure. ideally in an ideal situation, we would like to be set up so that we're quiet enough, like he said. I One of the cool things that happened with Wayne with me this year was we're out there and he'd been calling and, and nothing's really happening, but, but about that time, we hear a hoot owl. Go ahead and do it. I was like, really? And we, he'd already thrown out some, some cow calls and some bugles, but nothing was happening. But we were losing light. So, we, you know, I was moving towards where I knew they liked to bed down on the side, the timber and the cool. And so he starts doing this hoot out. But what, the part about that was so amazing to me was he was keeping the forest alive. Because right. when the forest is quiet, they notice that because the the normal sounds aren't happening. And so, like, Wayne is part forest. <laughs> yes. and, and he was keeping the forest alive, which I thought was just a whole other concept because people are always so focused on, did you do a cow call? Did you do a bugle? But part of it is even just being aware of, have you been so loud and you're walking so fast that everything's gotten quiet? Mm-hmm. You know. And so if you're, if you're not here, you get out there in place and, you know, you don't hear anything. Do you wait to hear that first sound, or do you do a cow? Do you do a bugle, Wayne? What do I you? do uh, cow calls and bugles both. Uh, tell you another quick story. I went to Montana doing. I was hosting an elk country journal at the time. And we're up outside of Gardner, Montana, and the guy said, "You might as well leave your bugle tube at home because they don't answer it." I said, "Well, we'll, we'll try." <laughs> so uh, I called. He told me that afterwards. It was 11 o'clock, we'd gone down the mountain, and the draft is now coming up, so we're going up to get away from it. And I'm using a small tube like that. And I think it was around 11 o'clock. Uh, I, I called, finally called one time, and he, Elk Bugles. It was, I mean, it was like 15 minutes he was there. Big wow. uh, six by six, scored 300 plus. And the kid told me, he says, you call more today than I call my entire hunting season. I said, I can't say no more. Mm-hmm. If, if you're walking through the woods for a field trip and you're <laughs> not calling, uh, that's what you're going to see. You probably won't see a lot. Right. But if you're trying to track, and just think of this, you're trying to track an elk to your position. Well, think of everything that may eat an elk. Now you hear this high pitch what you're doing and high pitch what you're doing. The excitement they create uh, is more fuel to the fire. Sure. Now the, the predator says, oh, I think I need to get on up there. So I've, I call in quite a few mountain lions, quite a few bears. I have two. Tons of coyotes. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. And not trying to. I'm trying sure. to call out. But they're all coming to the party mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for different reasons. Right. And that's what you guys have said over these last few years. I mean... I, you guys are I, noisy I, out there. I've said a, a billion times that I've, I'm sure I've messed up some hunts, but I've also created some hunts, and, and I'm, I'm not the patient kind. So uh, One thing that Donnell and I do, and again, she would probably tell you some people say we might overcall, but I would say our success rate's pretty good. Me too. But one thing that we do is we, um, we have fa- I've seen it. I've watched herds. I go to Estes Park just to watch them. You know, I, I watch what elk do all the time. I watch videos. But um, there's nothing that ticks a bull off more than when you cut him off. And you can get him so fired up. And even when I'm cow calling or vice versa, she's bugling. I'll cow call ta- before she finishes. We get, 
we've gotten the forest pretty riled up doing that. So it's been pretty helpful. What, so. What's your thoughts on that, Wayne? Well, I was just sitting here while she's talking about that. You're going to cut her off. About, <laughs> about decoying. Yeah. Uh, you can take a decoy and, and cut them off with your voice, you know, doing the cow calls. But we're learning something on decoys is a head shake means one heck of a lot. And the, the cow will turn and look over at you, you being the bull, and she'll start to do then that just flip her ears back and forth. I swear, whatever you want to bet, we'll bet it. They're, they're, they're coming. <laughs> Well, that's what's changed our hunting, and I can thank Wayne for that tremendously. Oh, is he has a decoy called Butthead, and we've used it the last couple of years. And I'll tell you, um, there's a reason when you're turkey hunting, you use decoys. And and if you, it's I tell people all the time, when your grandma rings the bell and says dinner's ready, you go in the kitchen and expect grandma to be there. Well, it's no different than with turkeys and elk. If you're calling, they come in looking for who was calling them. So if you have nothing. Um, they, don't, they might not close that gap for that bow shot or whatever, that shotgun shot or whatever you're doing, but uh, Wayne's butthead has changed it. Those bulls that were holding up at 100 yards or 150 yards or whatever, they're seeing a decoy now, and they're seeing a cow. And, and Wayne made this. I'll let him explain how he made it, but it looks just like a, no. a cow elk, and I think you even have a story you want to share with I everyone do, I about. do, but go ahead and tell us a little bit how you came up with this because it is so realistic. Well, uh, my son Mark helped with that. He's a real good photographer, so we're trying to get the most realistic look we can get. And uh, so we went out and took pictures of cow elk in different expressions, trying to see which one it was. And for an animal that's supposed to be colored blind and dull grays in their sight, for them to pick up the three dimension of the ears and the nose and the eyes of that cow. Sure. What do you call her? Ella. Her name is Ella. Ella. I don't Ella. like to call her butthead. It hurts her feelings. Oh. <laughs> and then we think you're talking to us. <laughs> Scott's like, yeah, what? She hit out of the bucket, butthead. Hey, butthead. <laughs> uh, but it, uh, it takes very little movement, and for them to pick that up as far away as they can, mm -hmm. I mean, just imagine you're uh, two or 300 yards up above where we're at. The oak's coming over the top. We take that decoy and just shake it around just like, one foot to the left, one foot to the right. They, they catch it. Sure. And once they, once they key in on it, you better get ready to shoot because here they come. Well, I tell you, last year um, uh, I got one of your decoys and a couple of your calls, the green weenie and a couple of the other calls that uh, they had given me. And uh, we, had a, uh, we had a cow tag, but we saw a bull and ranged it at 629 yards. And uh, so I, I stuck Ella up on a horizon where you could just see it real good. And we had one little bitty bush for us to get behind. And we did the green weenie call, did a couple of your other uh, calls here. And I'm telling you, that bull came in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Went down the draw. We lost him for a few minutes. And all of a sudden, here he came, 45 yards. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. From 629. Jump fences yeah, right? jumped, no. yeah, jumped two fences. And like I say, we had a cow tag. We just wanted to see what the experience would be like. Right. Well, and it was unbelievable. And Red was <laughs> laying my buddy. He was like, he's coming. He's coming. <laughs> of course like, he well, is. Of course he's coming. You know? And then beautiful. at the show, the International Sportsman's Expo was just shortly a couple weeks after that. And he ran to their booth. I need that call. I need that decoy. I mean, <laughs> he was a believer. Was, yeah, it well, was and, unreal. And we helped Angela in January, and sure. I, I put Ella just up on the crest, pulled the whole herd off another landowner. And Lisa and I had gone there the weekend before. Same calling, 
not, they wouldn't jump that fence. And the only difference was I put Elle up there at, at the skyline, and pretty soon it got really quiet because I was cow calling, and I had another calf or cow going going with me. I would cow call, she would call back, and pretty soon it got quiet, and I had Angela with me, and she's like, what's going on? And I peek up, and there was this perfect triangle of elk, and the lead cow was looking straight at Ella like, what is that? <laughs> but what was cool is she shot her cow, and that herd never left. And, and, and Zach's hunt, if you go to huntandivas.com, we have all these videos out there. Um, on Zach's hunt, when Lisa was calling for him, we're holding Ella. Same thing. That bull came all the way. He did a pass-through with the arrow, and that he came all the way back to Ella. And the cow that was with him never left us in the solid three or four minutes on that video. You'll see her. And I think it's just because she's looking at that decoy going, well, she's not running. So I, I guess everything's okay, sure. you know. Wow. I don't know. It's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> She's amazing. You're listening to Sports from Colorado. we got to take a short break. If you're just joining us, uh, Mr. Wayne Carlton is in studio, and we're thrilled to have him here, Danelle Johnson, Lisa Thompson from Hunt Data. When we come back, we're going to talk about the events of this weekend coming up, the uh, Bass Pro and Cabela's. It is a fall hunting classic, and your chance to meet the pros. We'll be right back. This is Red Merrill for Phoenix Weaponry. Phoenix Weaponry is a weapon manufacturer that services the firearm enthusiast. From precision ARs to suppressors, Phoenix Weaponry can make your dreams come true. Phoenix Weaponry is a full-service gun shop that offers gunsmithing, coating, and modifications to your own weapon. Phoenix Weaponry, family-owned and operated right here in Colorado. If you can dream it, Phoenix Weaponry can build it. Call today, 720-340-2496. Again, that's 720-340-2496. Or visit their website, phoenixweaponry.com. Mention Sportsman of Colorado and receive 10% off your custom-built weapon. For almost 10 years, hunters have relied on Onyx to help navigate public and private land boundaries across the country. Onyx Hunt is the only tool comprised of more than 400 countrywide maps that gives clear private and public land boundaries, trails, hunting-specific data, and more. New map layers are constantly being added by pairing with some of the leading names in conservation and the outdoor industry, like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Boone and Crockett Club, and Eastman's. Whether it's on your smartphone or handheld GPS, make the most of your precious time in the field by navigating with Onyx Hunt. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Again, my name is Scott Watley. We appreciate you being with us. We are doing a little uh, pre-taping uh, for our show that will actually air tomorrow, August 11th, from 1 to 2 p.m. And then you can also catch us on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. But we're thrilled to have Mr. Wayne Carlton in studio. And uh, also, Danelle Johnson, Lisa Thompson, our good friends from Hunt Data, Hunting Divas, uh, whole lot of stuff. These ladies are excellent and have been tremendous friends of ours ever since we started our show. And... Um, Let's talk about the weekend and what you guys are going to be doing here. So we're featuring Mr. Wayne Carlton at Bass Pro Denver tomorrow at 11. And so we'll be at that store till about 1230, and then we'll head down to Colorado Springs, Denver, and we'll be down there at 2. And then um, you want to tell them about Cabela's on Sunday? Uh, Cabela's Thornton um, at Thornton, not Lone Tree. Cabela's Thornton at 2 o'clock. 
On Sunday. On Sunday. Okay. Yes. Right. And Fred Eichler, our friend Fred Eichler, is going to be there as well, I believe. He's going to be at Bass Pro. Bass Pro. Okay. In Colorado Springs on Sunday. On All Sunday. Right. So, so, yeah, there's a lot going on with the Fall Classic, right. and now they're together, Cabela's Bass Pro. Go to HuntData.com. They've got a lot of information there, uh, schedule and all that will be happening there. But, uh, again, this is a Fall Hunting Classic and your chance to meet the pros. And uh, so you guys will be at the Denver Bass Pro At 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And, and so Wayne's going to be talking about all the calls, and we're, we'll help um, anybody that wants to learn how to call, right? That's, that's a fact. So <laughs> if you... Uh, if, if you're out there and you say, I can't do it, you just messed up if you're standing in front of me because I'm going to put a call in your mouth. <laughs> so I, I wish you could have been at my house this morning because he brought out all his goodies and, and he had uh, Dave and Zach, my son and husband, uh, calling. And you just have to know, um, he's making us sound way better than we used to sound. Huh. <laughs> I'll just say that. Awesome. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about, we're going to talk about some of the calls and different names of them. By the way, go to nativebycarlton.com uh, for all that we're going to talk about. But let's talk about the strategy and calls. I mean, there's a lot of different names, you know, lost calf, uh, you know, being aggressive, when, to, when you want to sound like a smaller bull, when you're going. I guess there's two reasons to call. One, to make the um, cow come to the bull, okay, like that. And then um, the other, you know, uh, bull, maybe you want to fight. Maybe that bull wants to come in. But sometimes I've had them run if you come back too aggressive. So, Wayne, help us out with some strategies. Well, here's a, I like this strategy. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to kill a world record moose that the score broke a record that had stood since 1968. And I killed about 10 or 12 years ago. So it's not number one now, but it's still real big. But you know what we call that uh, moose in with? A stick. Really? Raking the brush. Raking a tree? <laughs> Just, that's all we did. A stick, and as the, then as the moose got closer, the guy did a few calls just with, whoa. And you would think 1,500 pounds would have more to say than whoa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, give me a break, buddy. Right. Are you that bashful or what? Sure. So uh, there's a lot of things that you can use to call critters in with. Uh, the strategy of it is is knowing where the critters are. Uh, I've been fortunate enough that I've been able to hunt some places and see big elk that people never see. Mm -hmm. And uh, you got to have those places. So their map system that they have, and maybe I just kind of fell in love with the system that they have. We were turkey hunting, and I says, uh, her map's showing this is a transitional area here. And we look across there, and I said, well, that's where the turkeys are normally at this time of year. So everything matched up. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, team. so we're driving yeah. in the dark, and I had loaded our turkey maps, and I had the spring range and the winter range. And, and so he's literally giving us a narrative in the dark, and I've got the maps. You know, again, it works in the backcountry. You don't have to have sure. cell service. So... You know, I'm sitting there riding along with the beacon, and he's like, there's where the spring range is. And I'm like, yep. Yep, you're right. <laughs> and and, and that, I think that's the funnest thing for us with Lisa and Ida when we've been out using the maps or even when we're doing shows and guys say, well, you know, tell me how you would hunt my unit. And we pull it up, and they're like, wait, you can't publish that information. That's my spot, you know. <laughs> but we do it for every unit. So for especially somebody who's brand new, but Lisa and I do it all the time. We, I was telling Wayne this morning, I have so many new spots and over-the-counters where I'll just, we'll do it. We'll be driving up to where we're normally going to hunt, and maybe we, we aren't going to make it by sundown. So we'll just pull over. We'll We'll pull up the unit that we're driving through and I've done it I did it last year with my son we were driving up and I, we pulled over and sure enough we called in a spike I mean it was a spike right. bull it wasn't anything we could shoot but we got into the elk and so that's 
that's that gives me an advantage of knowing where they're at 90% of the time. Sure. Well, not only that, uh, it, she knows where they're at, but where they will be mm -hmm. next morning when hunting pressure hits. Yep. Just looking through their maps and looking at the definition of the the ground and what's, you know, is there a creek here, there's a wallow there, whatever. But you can, once you start looking at a map, you can figure where that stuff's at. Right. So I think, especially with Colorado's, as many people as we have to hunting today, it's uh, it ain't where they are, are now, it's where they Where they're headed. Well, and that that's one of the things Lisa and I talk about a lot in our Where to Hunt class. We talk about having a plan A, B, C, and D, because nine times out of ten, somebody's going to screw up A and B, and it's not always. Sometimes it's me. Sometimes I mess it up. Maybe it's the wind, the thermals, and I didn't pay attention, or maybe it's another hunter. We've had one year where we were on nine bulls, and we thought we had, it was going to be a slam dunk, and we go up the next morning. We just took our time, backed out. We are going to go back the next morning, and there was a guy walking the ridge line like he was on duty. It's <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And you know those bulls moved out. We never saw them the rest of the season. So you've got to have a plan B, C, and D. I can get mad and angry at the other hunter, but if I develop another strategy, then I have somewhere else to go. And sure enough, we went into some state lands that opened for the first time September 1st. We compared that to our elk concentrations. Guess what? If nobody's been in there all summer, and that's where the elk have historically been, we bumped three different group of elk. We came out that night, and there was eight guys, and they saw us two little girls coming out, and they're like, oh, how'd you guys do? And we're like, well, we bumped three groups. And we're like, really? Right. We didn't see anything. But, you know, it's just using that information and knowing it's not like girl power. It's learning how to use information. Sure. So. All right, let's go through some of the calls a little bit here and talk about the names. Again, nativebycarlton.com is the website, and uh, they will have these available uh, here this weekend as well, uh, Bass Pro and Cabela. So, um Donnell, I'll let you go through them, and then maybe we'll have Wayne uh, give us some demonstrations. So, Wayne, why don't you put your rippet in? I, I love his rippet. I've, I've used this all, and I love the margarita. It's margarita, right? Here it's it the is green in the one. case, if you want. Yeah, here's your case. Um, but um, he's, he, you want to talk about the metal? Uh, yeah, this, for those of you that have been using the diaphragm call for any time at all, uh, somewhere about 20 years ago, uh, we designed uh, what, what is called a dome over the latex and it worked really good and uh, created different sounds that we've not heard before and very successful in calling in wildlife well as the patent was on i couldn't do anything with it somebody else had got the patent and as it expired i actually i just said lord help me look at this in a way i can bring out a different sound and with that we used an arch over the latex and so as you can see but the back side is open the front side is open, and now you can get sounds you have never heard before. Mm -hmm. And when wildlife hears a sound that reflects their conversation, the way they communicate, and they hear something nice, new, and fresh, let me tell you, here they come. So it works pretty good. Go ahead, and you want to do that? Am I bugling or cow calling? Whatever. <laughs> That's a bugle. So <laughs> her hair call sounds great. Go ahead and tell me what I did wrong, though. Uh, I got to have supper first. <laughs> I don't wanna, I it's don't always wanna, humbling. Don't mess with your It's chef, always huh? humbling to bugle in front of you. So anyway, uh, I like that real. Yeah.
can't do much of that because this is a pretty tight room and our neck's starting to swell. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to get that. I love, I love that. Yeah. 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 Right. What that means is. That's what I was going to ask you. Calf, Give us some of. That calf is on its hind legs or it's moving or it's running. And people forget to put movement in the call. And how many elk are like bull coming out of the tree? <laughs> and he's jumping over logs. And, mm -hmm. uh, I got one I'm going to show you tonight. Uh, are you coming tonight? Yeah, you're invited to my house. Oh, six thirty. Okay. We, we've got some. Right. We got some. <laughs> Nobody great else can okay. come. But you okay. <laughs> I guess I am coming. Yeah. yeah. Sound like you may be coming. Yes, sir. <laughs> but at any, any. Sorry about that. <laughs> any, anyway. Um, the show will have aired, but nobody else will come. <laughs> we got Super Bowl chasing a nine by that I'm trying to get. And you haven't seen this yet, have you? It's good footage. And it's good we got stuff. Super Bowl jumping over trees, a burned area. Scored almost 400 points, Super Bowl. Wow. And I did not shoot him because <laughs> I'm a dummy. <laughs> but anyway, I, I love this part of this call. See, I started one way. Right. And I go, oh, wow. Crying baby to me. Somebody's tuning in the radio. Like, what's going on? <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Now that is called. Let's identify these. So they know what to look for on the website. This is Rip It. Rip It. Native by Carlton. Rip It. And then this is the Green Weenie, which is your read. It's vented. I I love the vents because I kind of have a lot of saliva going on when I call a lot. My yeah, ears. that call is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good. All right. We got to take our last break here. Wayne Carlton is in studio. Go out and see him this weekend. They'll be at Bass Pro in Denver, 11 o'clock tomorrow, which is Saturday, August the 11th. And then you'll start in the Colorado Springs Bass Pro at what time? 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, again, that is August 11th. And, and then, then Sunday. Cabela's at 2 o'clock. At Thornton. Mm -hmm. All right. You're listening to Sportsman Colorado. We got to take our last break, and we'll be right back. Ladies, I know you're tired of walking into the local gun store and seeing the same old thing. So let me tell you about Rampart Firearms. Just a quarter mile up Highway 67 off of Santa Fe and Sedalia, you will find a great selection of guns, ammo, tactical, and personal defense weapons. And if you or your spouse love to hunt, Rampart Firearms is a great stop for all of your hunting needs. Shotguns, rifles, pistols, anything from predator hunting to your next big game trip. Head to Rampart Firearms at the foot of the Rockies. Open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you will only pay a 4% tax on your purchase. RampartFirearms.com, 720-468-0050. That's 720-468-0050. If you're looking for great deals on outdoor equipment and clothing, we've got you covered. Hi, this is Bill Paddock, owner of the Outdoorsman's Attic, your outdoor gear consignment headquarters. You'll save 20, 30, 40, even 50% on previously owned outdoor gear for the fisherman, hunter, and camper. We also sell live bait, 
firearms and ammo. If you're doing a little spring cleaning, bring in your gear to the Outdoorsman's Attic. We'll sell it for you and put cash in your pocket. You can also pick up your hunting and fishing licenses right here at the store. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor gear needs is the Outdoorsman's Attic, located at 2650 West Hampton Avenue in Sheridan, Colorado. 303-781-3626. That's 303-781-3626. Or visit us online at outdoorsmansattic.com. Mention Sportsman's of Colorado and receive 20% off all your outdoor clothing. Rush to Reason with John Rush. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on KLZ 560. Welcome back to Sportsman of Colorado. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Scott Watley. We have been very privileged to have Mr. Wayne Carlton in studio with us. And, um, man, we are looking forward to this weekend, a great weekend at Bass Pro and at Cabela's, 11 o'clock tomorrow in Denver at the Bass Pro, then 2 o'clock in Colorado Springs, and then on Sunday, refresh my memory. 2 o'clock, Cabela's Thornton. To, to Cabela's Thornton at 2 o'clock. So, um Several things we're going to hit here real quick. So, Donnell, you want to start out with when people ask you about calling and oh, my you know, favorite, my are they favorite talking? thing is I hear people say, "Are they talking?" And I think what they mean to say is, "Are they really coming in hot to an estrus cow call?" But my experience with elk, they're just like us. They talk. There's herd talk. There's when the calf gets lost from the mother. Um, if for some reason they get broken apart and he's bugling them back together, I've heard them talk. All times of years it's not they don't only just break out their voice in September I my experience is they talk all the time but what's been your experience and Lisa's my experience is when we first started thinking about diaphragm elk calls is I was turkey hunting up on Log Hill Mesa out of Montrose and I've been playing with it uh, with the diaphragm while I was doing some target practice with a bunch of guys right they're making fun of me but um, I called in. Uh, I didn't call it in, but I made it bugle in April, mm-hmm. spring turkey hunting. And I saw an elk, so a turkey does a kiki run. So. Kiki. I'm, I'm, th- I'm just kind of doing that. But I see this elk, and it, I can tell that it paid attention. So. I thought, and me and the guy with me, we both figured that uh, if they'll do that in April and May, come rut, they should kick some butt. Yes, sir. And it did. Wow. That's cool. Go ahead. Well, we, when we're teaching classes, we get a lot of, um, I tell people to have a, a cow call with them when they're rifle hunting, and they look at me like they're crazy, like I'm crazy. First, second, third, and fourth season. Um, it stops the herd. I had friends um, four season, so we're talking November. They couldn't get find the elk nor get the elk, and I told him go behind. I told him where to go, and he sat on the hill and he cow called, and he thought I was crazy. He called me that night before, and he cow called for like I don't know 45 minutes, I guess, and because he was frustrated in general, it was towards the end of the hunt of four season, and lo and behold, three cows come out of the forest right to him, and they shot two of them. And he, he was a believer. And, and then my friend last year, she it was her first bull, and uh, she shot, she missed. And I cow called, and he stopped, 
and she shot again, and she missed again. I cow called, and he stopped again. She shot and missed again, and I cow called him three times. He stopped within probably 10 feet of where, I mean, he never ran because that cow call soothed him. Sure. And that was second rifle season. So I highly recommend that having a cow call. time we helped Michael, it was second season. Mm -hmm. You and I, Lisa and I do an estrus uh, cow call that's pretty different. Mine's more straight. She has more vibrato. Um, but we called in that bull. He came right into us about 400 yards, and, and we were helping a young man, got his first six-by-six. Six. But he was hot. I mean, he was, he was like, we're, one of the things they do, too, is they'll go into rut twice for the, the cows that miss the estrus. They'll go back into estrus, and, and uh, if they don't get pregnant the first time. So there's even that late, late call that I'm always talking. I, let, me, let me say this. There ain't an elk out there that time of year that wants to be by itself. Right, right. So, I mean, people have shot at them, they have bow hunted them, they have boogered them out of their favorite areas. Now they're trying to survive the winter. And I can assure you, any elk out there does not want to be by itself. So we've got to call, we call it loudmouth, although we don't have any here. No. But it is so loud, it really hurts your ears, so you have to be careful. But that's what, I want to broadcast the fact that I'm a cow, we got the decoy, right. we put blaze orange on its head. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, wow. thanks to Sarah, if you're listening. <laughs> Actually, we, we put that on every decoy now that goes out the door. Really? It's called a Sarah band. Sarah band. Yeah, just... Well, you don't want to be carrying Ella in your backpack. Yeah, and no someone kidding. someone think that it's a real... Because it's so real. No, it's very it's a realistic. We, we have a real photograph. problem. Yeah. yeah. We have a real problem with people not knowing their target when they shoot. So I don't want it on my back. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I was talking about the story of she missed three times and I stopped that bull... I did that from mentoring, uh, Wayne mentoring me on Donnell's hunt. Instead of just a soft or just a cow call, I was aggressive and I was obnoxious. And Wayne taught us that on Donnell's bull that came in last year. Um, he, he came into Ella and he got spooked because he was so close to Wayne and Donnell behind the bush that he kind of jumped. And Wayne got on the call and he was, I would call it obnoxious, aggressive, aggressive obnoxious, like a cow call you wouldn't hear normally. Mm -hmm, yeah. And that bull dead stopped, gave Donnell an opportunity to take a shot, and she got a great shot and got a, a really nice six-point bull. But by Wayne teaching us that, and just, just not just doing a normal cow call and doing a, a real aggressive call. That's why I know that season I sure. stopped. And, and again, if you look at our huntingdivas.com with Zach's hunt, that was about 10 days later, you and I called in that 5 by 7 for him. And again, we're holding Ella. We're out in the middle of Sage. We've got a bull chase and a cow coming our direction. So we stop him with the call. Zach does a 40-yard shot, pass through, great shot. Um, Lisa and I continue to do cow calls, and we were being obnoxious. Like, it's like, like when you listen mm -hmm. to the recording, it's like, shut up. Yeah. But you can hear how obnoxious we're being, and that bull comes all the way back to us, allows him to shoot again, and he'd already, he was already expiring. But um, the cow never left us. Again, we had Ella with us. Right. So she's looking at Ella. We're cow calling. We're talking. Um, and it, what's funny, if you listen to that recording, there's another bull on the ridge across from us. You hear a big bugle. <laughs> he was a big herd bull. Wow. It was the last day. I would have taken you there, Scott. I, you yeah. know. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll have to do that. <laughs> Whatever. All right. <laughs> Let's take a couple minutes to talk about the strategy. Archery courses first. Let's talk about just some different strategies and calling between the archery, muzzleloading, rifle, what seasons you're in, things like that. Uh, want me to take it? Yes, we sir. want you to take it. I you're the master. You when first week of archery season... Um, if you hear one peep out of an elk, if you bugle or cow call, and you just hear, here, 
or anything, you better get ready because that bull's coming. I mean, he may, may not bugle at all, but uh, he's he, pre, a pretty good chance he's going to come. So if you get a few bugles, so just plan on being ready for a shot. So the first part of archery season, I'm going to try to have the patience to stay in an area where they want to be. And that's a great time to use the wallows. Mm -hmm. And when I say use wallows, learn a big lesson there. As soon as they get done with a rut in the morning and 10 o'clock, they do not go bed up like you think they would with pillows over their eyes. <laughs> they go look for that dang wallow to cool down. Sure. And so they'll do that. Then they'll go lay down, but then they're back up again at 2 or 3 to start the whole thing over again. So first part of first half of archer season, think, think a lot of tree stands, think wallows, think trails, think where they weren't going to be anyway. And... Uh, Try that for the first couple of weeks. Then you got to contend with some company in the woods as the muzzleload season opens up. So they get pushed around pretty hard. So now you're at the last part of archery season, and uh, they've been chased and boogered. So I'm not bugling quite so much as I am cow calling. Real emphatic, real definite cow calls. Mm. And bulls that have been chased by other people or other elk, they, the more the, the vet they get, the less they want to come in. But it's not usually a bugle that does it. Right. Muzzle loading then and moving into rifles. So, yeah. so Lisa and I had a bad experience with being on a wallow. You know how you just do everything wrong? Like we missed three opportunities that day. I We're thought that was in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> you had, it was the first time. It was Last two, year. It was two, it was, actually, it was two years ago. You had just given us the decoy to try. So we had it set up on the wallow. We're there. And we hear the herd coming up. We're like, oh, this is it. This is it. This is it. Um, she had a cow tag. I had neither sex tag. I'm thinking we're both going to limit out. Well, the wind was just kind of being squirrely. And about that time, the herd just, like, when we thought he was just getting ready to appear, we're in some heavy trees, too, in this wallow. And all of a sudden, they go over in a different direction. Well, in the meantime, of all the calling we were doing and he was doing, we had another bull above us. It was a steep rim that went just straight up. So we decide to go up after him. Now, the wallow was clear, right? <laughs> We go up after that bull on the rim, and right when we pop up, he was on top of us. So we see this five-by-five five just explode and take off. Well, there went that opportunity. So we messed up the first one. It was sent. Second one, I don't know. Right. We go back to the wallow, and it's all muddy. And we're like, what? Are you kidding me? So another bull had come in. Like, we did three. We had three mistakes. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. I'm still in counseling. It's all good. Yeah. But, <laughs> But, but mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's uh, wallows are amazing, and, and you know in Arizona, a lot of people don't use them. Yeah. Right. I mean, they'll see them and they'll say, uh, I, "If I find a wallow, I'm going to put that thing in a GPS." Mm -hmm. We we put, drop it on our maps. We uh, actually put a yellow pin. That's our wallows. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Maybe we, if you do yellow with water floating. With water floating. Yes. Well, and see, we anchor a picture, so I take a picture because right. we do. We do a lot of hiking, and after I've marked about four wallows, I like to look back at the picture and go, oh, okay, that's the wallow that's blah, blah, blah. Right. right. And if you want to know if a wallow is active, some people will see water and they don't know. If the wallow is, if it's clear, nothing's probably been using it recently. But if it's muddied up, Mm -hmm. chances are it's an active wallow. So that's a sign, hey, you may want to hang out here. And I agree with what Wayne was saying. 10 or 11, they're cooling off. They've already got up. They might have done some mating. They probably made it all night long. And they've been eating some grass and, you know, um, getting some water. But they're ready to go cool off now because the bugs start to drive them crazy too. Plus, the more they wallow, the stinkier they get. They think yeah. they're sexier for their cows, which sure. I, I debate that altogether. <laughs> but... Well, we've got about two minutes left. Man, this hour has flown, so 
any last questions or comments that you guys got because you know what get a call and start everybody just thinks they're not going to be good enough but but try you know what i mean i i've heard the craziest little young bulls whatever that you think that's that's no way that's an animal and and like wayne said there be natural don't sit there and do the textbook call over and over right right for the last uh, four weeks, I've been helping ladies outdoor. I'm, I'm not quite sure what the name is, but I've been working with ladies and trying to teach them how to call. And they, they learn how to shoot a bow and a gun and put up a camp and all that. Sure. But I had a lady that's, uh, she's about 71, 72. And she came up to me and had tears in her eyes. And she says, I just can't do it. I just, I was told that I'm not, I'm, I just can't call. So I said, well, try one of these. So I gave her one of these calls. And within seconds, she was she hit it just right. She started screaming. I mean, she 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 bugled. Then she just started screaming and jumping up and down. I said, "What's wrong with you?" She says, "I just bugled." And I won't tell you the rest of what she said. She was just jumping up and down. She says, "She said my entire life has changed just over an elk call." Wow, that's pretty cool. That is very cool. Yeah, honestly, these new diaphragms are very easy to use. Mm -hmm. They are. I would say all the native by Carlton, um, Wayne has made them user-friendly because I think that's what's intimidating. You get a lot of calls, and they're just pretty complicated. Sure. And they, it takes a lot to get a sound to come out, and these are just picking, I think, you know, with some strategy. Wayne still has videos out there in YouTube to show you how to do it, but they're pretty easy to use. Right. Mr. Carlton, it's been a pleasure, sir. In mine. Thank you very, very much. Well, thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Go out and see the folks this weekend. Meet the pros. This is a fall hunting classic, and uh, they'll be at Bass Pro uh, and Cabela's on, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and, again, I realize our show is airing here on Saturday 1 to 2, and then Sunday mornings at 9 and Sunday afternoons at 4. You hear that replay. Uh, but get out there and uh, meet them, and good luck to everyone. Be safe, and thank you for joining us today for Sportsman of Colorado. expressed on KLC 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.